0: I'm Tracy Koga, and it's going to be a great day here in Winnipeg. It's beautiful, hot and sunny, and uh, yeah, and hey, we still have restrictions. But, you know, people are getting their vaccinations, and with due diligence, possibly by Canada Day, we will be sitting out on patios. We'll be able to go to our hair salons and our nail services and all of that. Uh, Fingers crossed. Anyways, we're going to start our chat today. It's going to be a great one. Let's open up the doors to all of our guests today. Hello. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Robin. Hi, Kirsten. Love you. And I think Satch is here too. There there he is. Oh, my goodness. You wore my favorite jacket, Satch. <laughs> okay, everybody can unmute themselves. How? How is, well, I mean besides Cynthia because well England is is further along but maybe not you know I'll get to get to you Cynthia about those but how is everybody doing in this third lockdown uh Satch I, I mean this is the show is about you restaurants I know like you're shaking your head like I know I can't believe it, it-
1: It is, uh, well, I don't know where to start. I mean, I don't know if it's third lockdown or if we ever opened up from the second lockdown, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will. Uh, Restaurants have effectively been closed since October 30th, 2020, uh, Mm -hmm. which was when, you know, that second order came down and never really changed from there. Uh, In Manitoba, at least, Mm -hmm. uh, in Ontario there. There's been, you know, in different jurisdictions across Canada, it's been a little bit different um, in terms of timings. But, you know, essentially that's where we've been. Um, if we do want to categorize the third lockdown, I would say right now there's a lot of local fatigue out there. Mm-hmm. Um, as a business industry, we sometimes don't appreciate, even though it's the number one or number two um Uh, biggest thing for any economy which is tourism business and pleasure Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where you are in the world or the country for that matter and Manitoba is no different Uh, those per diem dollars those corporate dollars that that come into the province are effectively gone and uh, you know at the end of the day and I love absolutely everybody uh, that has supported us and continues to support us and it's the lifeblood but you know it's it's fair to say at the end of the day how much takeout whether it's from here or any other place can you you know do um, and you know and watch Netflix it's completely <laughs> understandable right uh, and, and so what we saw it in you know the early days of the pandemic uh, and that continuing on to support those restaurants and you're seeing that now with the closures mm-hmm. that are coming across um you know on my drive to work this morning um, There's two very popular restaurants on Pemina Highway that I've seen that have closed. Downtown Winnipeg has six or seven full-run restaurants left, um, you know, with a handful of closures in the last number of months alone. And so you are really starting to see um, the wear of what's happened over the last number of months uh, or over the last 15 months uh, take hold.
0: Yeah. So, Satch, what's it going to take? And I kind of briefly touched on it Today, just before uh, opening the doors to the Zoom call, but you know, if we stay the course and we do our due diligence, I know that the province has launched their plan. So maybe by Canada Day, which that day is kind of coming up more and more, more things will open up. But it has to open up more, right? It has to be because it would be the first stage would be opening up your patio, right? and then you know maybe 10 or 15 or, or maybe 20 percent inside that's still not going right. to help right
1: right and, and so the question really is about public confidence and the return to plan has to really engage uh, confidence and incentivization so as you know it, it has to be a three-step process even beyond what's being laid out for the next you know, one month Mm -hmm. or two months or or three months, you're going to have a certain portion of the population that's going to come out regardless over the next 30 days or 90 days. But over a longer track, not only does the public, but the business sector needs to see that confidence come back. And so the three steps that the government could take right now would, you know, first of all, uh, engage in a messaging program that uh, is positive. That is talking about returning to life as normal. You know when safe to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all variables considered. Second, um, as the largest employer in the province, whether it's Manitoba or you know any other jurisdiction in, in Canada, usually the province is the largest employer. Uh, they need to think about very seriously a return to work program and bringing people back, whether it's in their downtowns or their suburban workplaces. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And how is it safe to do so? And how can you make sure that the employees are feeling safe when they do come back and encouraging them? Lastly, uh, an incentivization program, very popular in the 70s, 80s and 90s were Mm -hmm. corporate and personal write-offs. And so, you know, if you're a large corporation and we've seen this in the business spectrum now, we've seen parts of businesses, you know, renovations, uh, you name it, Mm -hmm. uh, locally that have done very, very well. And that's fantastic. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum, you know, places like restaurants, events, venues uh, that have, you know, museums that have not done well. And so how do you equalize that spectrum again? And so write-offs were very popular in the 70s and 90s where, you know, corporations that are earning, you know, a, a million dollars. So every 5000 you know, every every million dollars you earn, 5000 of that can be spent on dining out, going to the museum, uh, events, whatnot. And, you know, this would be a good way to encourage people to get back out again. And also help those small businesses, uh, restaurants, and you know the the economic engines as well, like your convention centers, like your large human rights museums and whatnot, getting people back in and comfortable uh, into into those venues again.
0: Well, I'm. Um, I think that's the plan, <laughs> but you know, and that's the that's the hard part because there has been no conversation, really. I've felt a very disconnect from our government and the restrictions that come down. And, and here we are, yes, yes, following everything and trying to stay the course. And yet, yes. Uh, I'm going to get back to you, Satchet, on just about downtown Winnipeg and how that all looks. But Cynthia, uh, I was going to ask you because I saw Boris Johnson kind of looking a little sheepish and saying, well, I think we might have looked, you know, a our two-head, whatever, anyway, saying that he wants to push back the opening. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, so at this point, July 19th is our removal of restrictions. Um, that's what it was announced yesterday. And, you know, it's, uh, it's getting beyond frustrating, and I think... Mm-hmm if you read just the body language of uh, Boris Johnson or Bojo as they call him here. <laughs> and you, you look at the way he was, he was beyond sheepish. You, I would suggest that there was perhaps um, not complete truth that was being shared, mm-hmm. you know, in that moment. And the fact is it's just really easy for them to have us in this quote, lockdown process and as you can probably tell i'm getting beyond a little frustrated with it right now not because i don't have freedom i can go out to the patio here Mm -hmm. Uh, we can dine indoors tables of six which is reduced capacity for many restaurants um but uh yeah all other venues theaters i I think theaters can't even exceed 40 percent like you know kind of numbers it's just crazy Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, getting a little frustrated, concerts, anything outdoor, that's large capacity, um, is a no. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this, this is supposed to be a summer of festivals and concerts and they're not happening. Um, yeah. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. So who wants to answer me this question? Why then down just south of the border from us, everybody's living like there's nothing that's ever happened? <laughs> You watched the hockey game last night, Vegas is all open, thus the arena was uh, sold out, no masks.
2: Well, I think one of the interesting things is you need to look at the data, and I think, you know, to the point that, that Sachet was talking about what we've looked here and went, okay, how many people are really getting sick in, you know, hospitality locations? And the answer is, even before, not many. So why is that such a sector that's being attacked in this way and restricted? Same with, you know, other kinds of entertainment venues. Like, why is that the case? And the data doesn't support it. And that's what's happening is the data is no longer supporting the decisions out. And down south, you know, they've always taken a bit. And that certainly seemed the wrong approach during, quote, the height of waves that come at us. Mm -hmm. But... At this point, it's kind of like, well, where do you get to? I mean, is July 19th the last date here in the U.K.? Well, who knows? Um, you know, the data doesn't support delaying that, but it could be. But in the States yet, you know, they're talking about opening up a green lane of travel between the U.S. and the U.K. Like, like, how can that be okay? But, you know, other things... It, the data just doesn't support the decisions that are being made. And mm-hmm. I can see why, you know, Boris Johnson looked so sheepish because the data isn't. Yet in the U.S., you know, they're going, look, we got vaccinations, we got this, and guess what? You're all adults or those that are adults. You decide whether you're wearing a mask, you decide if you're going to socially distance, and you make those decisions. And I personally am in mm-hmm. most cases, especially indoor, but, you know, come to many other things, I just... I just don't believe it's necessary anymore and hence the frustration so I think that's why is it's really just that mindset of going no you're adults you make the decision versus we'll tell you what to do.
0: Sach, do you want to comment on that and actually too on what is going to happen to our downtown oh my goodness right now it is not good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, and maybe we'll talk about the downtown uh, to start with yeah. um, the report released just last week that counted lo- no less than and an indeed excessive, excessive 50 businesses closed uh, in our downtown um, just in the last six months or so. Um, certainly if you're a Winnipegger, you know that we've had some high profile losses of business in downtown Winnipeg, uh, Bay, Staples. Um, But for me, as a small business owner, what really Mm -hmm. makes me cringe, if you will, is all the small uh, and medium businesses that we've lost, you know, throughout Portage Place, inside Mm -hmm. the skywalks, uh, at the retail, at the retail levels. Um, Those are the businesses, uh, you know, on the ground that really add to a sense of vibrancy, um, you know, uh, hurriedness, things that are happening downtown and safety, Mm
3: -hmm. you know,
1: when you have all those business operating and all those lights on and customers coming in and out and coffee shops happening. Um, that's what makes a downtown, a downtown losing 50 businesses, um, you know, in nine and a half acres in our most important nine and a half, 10 acres uh, in the entire province from a tax standpoint um, is a very, very scary thing. You know, it took, it took a couple of decades worth of downtown revitalization to get to the point we were, Uh, in 2019, and now it's only taken 15, 16 months to really uh, set us back. Uh, Well, I've been here since 93, and it wasn't this bad in 93. So, you know, even beyond that, um, in terms of being able to now bring those businesses back again um, and get them contributing to uh, the economy, the system, the whole nine yards, again, a very, very hard point. And when you think about it, you know, all our big economic engines are here whether it's the convention center, it's a human rights museum, our MTS center, um, all these big, big pieces are here. And so it's so important to support those pieces, uh, as well as all the medium and large businesses like the hotels, um, all the venues, all all the event spaces. Um, It is a a difficult spot, you know, from a jurisdictional uh, leadership standpoint, whether you're the city of Winnipeg, whether you're the province of Manitoba, there's a couple of things you can do. You know, from uh, the city of Winnipeg standpoint, uh, I think the best thing they can do right now is get educated, uh, and that would mean uh, reports uh, being uh, produced and published, uh, and assisted by the city of Winnipeg in terms of what's going on in their municipal district. Uh, that would be a really good thing for, for for them to do. From a provincial standpoint, I think roundtables um, with uh, Tourism Winnipeg, Economic Development Winnipeg, other leaders. Uh, about what is going on uh, in downtown with local leaders to find out what a strategic direction over the next six to 18 months can uh, and should look like. And, and I think you'll start getting some answers there. Right now, there's no clarity anywhere. And so you're doing exactly what you did in 2019, heading into the pandemic, which is running blind. Um, and that's never a good place from a business standpoint or a policymaking um, standpoint. Well.
0: Can I ask you this? So, Satch, instead of you are mentioning a lot of local leaders, what about going straight to the business owners, people like yourself, being, having a seat at the table with these people? Because ultimately, it's, the, it's these business owners, it's their livelihood. They know what's happening. You know, I, I kind of think that they really kind of need to reach out to your community.
1: Oh, for for Sure. But, you know, and, and look, I, I agree uh, 100%, but, you know, I also understand there's a process and, um, and, and a system for that. And usually the process and the system for that is the association levels, right? Whether it's the Manitoba Restaurant Food Association, uh, whether it's mm-hmm. the, the, the downtown biz, whether it's the Winnipeg Chamber or the Manitoba Chamber, you know, these associations and these, these groups are essentially funnels for bringing in local leaders and local voices and, uh, you know, really uh, assimilating those voices into uh, something that can be digestible at a, at a leader level or at least a policy producible uh, at, a, at a leader level. Um, what I'm just not seeing is a lot of that happening uh, yeah. right now. Or if it is happening, then it's happening in closed clusters or closed circles, right, um, mm. that I really haven't seen. Um, you know, it, it would be good to start seeing a little bit more policy that is forward looking over a longer period than you know, 60 days or, or 45 days. Uh, I would love to see stuff that's 180 days, 360 days out um, in, in terms of revitalizing, bringing back, incentivizing, making people feel safe. Uh, those are the key messages that need to be uh, really brought out. Um, you know, lastly, uh, if I was gonna say supporting uh, reopenings uh, from a provincial standpoint uh, would be a very good thing to do. Uh, there's a lot of businesses out there that have been in hibernation mode, whether they're small or medium. Reopening is going to come with additional costs around hiring, restocking, cleaning back up again, putting in additional PPE. For a lot of businesses, those costs are going to be completely prohibitive um, or they're not going to be able to do it. You know, we've been very fortunate here at East Indic. I mean, we've been operating straight through over the last 16 months. Uh, but if we had to close and I had to restock my freezers and fridge uh, and restart all that, uh, it would be a very high cost, and so I can see that for uh, a lot of business to be able to restart, to get a nudge in that direction, might be a powerful thing.
0: Yeah, well, Rana, you're always one to go grassroots and, you know, have people, people have a seat at the table that really are living it, but uh, in your opinion, who should be doing, or starting to do some of the planning that, that Sachet mentioned that needs to be done?
4: I'm pointing to my right, and <laughs> Sash is on my right. Hi, Sash. Um, yeah, no, I, it it um, it's a it's a failed attempt, and we will probably end up seeing it uh, without at least having um, whether they're a part of these association tables or whether they are their own tables that are, are that come together. Um, East India or wherever, uh, having all those uh, business owners and those leaders sitting at a table and making their own decisions amongst themselves and then perhaps bring it to the association level. There has to be something then. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I agree with Satch. I mean, if it was up to me, it would literally be the owners, the business owners and those individuals Uh, taking the charge and the lead. But I've said that about everything. You know, I say that same about teachers, I say it about the nurses, I say it about everyone across the board. Other people do not know. And it's really, really, you know, unfortunate and it's very typical um, of bureaucracy in organizations and situations to take a hold of uh, of decision-making. And at times they are so disconnected with the realities of people's lives that what they are actually doing is just perpetuating the same old systems that have never worked in the first place. Um, if the system had worked, if any of our systems actually did work, uh, the situation that the business owners are in today probably would not be as dire as it is right now. Um, but those protections aren't really in place. And I don't, I would argue perhaps they've never really been in place. I mean, who's to say that there's not another pandemic eight months from now? I mean, not mm-hmm. to say that we're out of it, but I'm just saying it could be a pandemic, it could be, um anything uh that would literally throw the backbone and when I say backbone I want to include teachers and nurses and all those beautiful people but for, for the purpose of this conversation businesses mm-hmm. um you know you're basically just throwing them basically on their ass every time something happens, you know, and and they there needs to be some really creative um, systems in place at this point. And, and it's not going to be the same old, same old. It's not going to be next time shit happens, everything, everybody shuts down. And if we do shut down, everyone's just kind of left high and dry. Because that's essentially what's happened, right? Mm-hmm. You got an order from the big guy upstairs who said, hey, shut everything down. Everything just gets shut down. Um, but there was no help. There was no assistance. There was no... You know, you know, a little bit of tax breaks, breaks here and there, a little bit of uh, rental breaks here and there. That doesn't do what needs to happen. If, if the goal was survival, no matter what we go through right now, businesses, we need you to, to survive. We need you to survive and thrive when this is over. That was not the dialogue, and that has not been the questions that have been put forward to anybody at this point, and that's really where we need to be talking, right? Though That's the realm, is even if this is happening now people don't because what we're forgetting and i think sash knows this probably more than anybody is that just because on june or july or august long you know things start to open up again that does not fix the damage that has been done right like that's just people just pressing okay let's start start again but starting again doesn't actually out, like you know, recognize all the damage that has been done, all the financial loss, all the layoffs, all the people who've lost their jobs, um, all the loss in blah, blah 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 blah. The list goes on and on. And I think that there needs to be a much more comprehensive approach to this. It's not just okay. What do we do moving forward? It's probably most likely the the appropriate question is what do we do moving forward to make sure you are open in the best way possible and let's support you in any way we can. But how do we make up for all your loss as well? And that Mm -hmm. goes for everybody who has really um, lost. And I I don't, I can't really think of anyone who's really took the hit more than small businesses and specifically restaurants. I mean, who really has taken the brunt of this, you know, um, in terms of finances and in terms of business would be these guys, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, there's other groups of people who have taken different types of blows you know uh you have the nurses who are just kind of done you have the teachers and you have all these people but when it comes to actual livelihood their livelihood you know either it's gone or they're just hanging on by a thread you know and and that's really where my if it was me i'd be like okay well how do we make it better how do we fix the past um but i don't believe we have a government whose brain works like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i don't believe we have people in any of these scenarios who actually think like that i think right now it's going to be like damage is done deal with what you have to and let's kind of make it meh, average for you guys moving forward but I, and i don't think manitobas would appreciate that if i to be completely honest as well i think manitobans love their small businesses i think manitobans love their restaurants i think manitobans you know the, the way that i take take out every freaking day since the pandemic it's unheard of in my house but i do it to support right and i know that there's many manitobans many manitobans who would do the same so if we have anyone's side we're with them so i think it might be a very situation that it's the government against the rest of us right (laughs) because that's what it kind of seems like right so I don't know. And lastly, I'll just say, you know, there, there is a point in time and there's always that kind of pivotal moment where kind of enough is enough, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people need to start being much more vocal about things and um, really standing by the, the, the groups and the people we love. Uh, and lastly, for, sure, for real lastly, let's not forget that Man- uh, Winnipeg is such a small family. You know, we all love each other. We all know each other. Uh, we support businesses because they're like family to us. Uh, when you actually hurt them, you actually hurt all of us. So um, let's hope that the decision ultimately that come out are uh, the <laughs> most beneficial to survive
0: and thrive for any business. That's my that's my that's my take on it. Way more than you asked, but you know how I go. <laughs> well, you know what was, sorry, some of us are laughing. Susie, because, hi. Because, hi, Susie. Or some of us are laughing, Rana, because just as you were clo- making your big la- closing statement, you kind of froze and you kind of stuttered. So, <laughs> so yeah, you were a little long-winded, girl. <laughs> if you want to repeat am I, it. Am I frozen right Uh, Yeah. Am I frozen right now? Where are you anyways? Okay. Okay. I'm in my office. Okay, so, ma'am, um, yeah. I guess maybe just interference or something like that. Did you want to say your last statement? It was really funny. <laughs> no, I'm done. No, no, I'm, I'm done wa- my rant. Oh no. Okay, so the, I'm doing an Okay, so if you hurt small business, medium business, if you hurt Satch, you're hurting all the rest of it. That's the gist <laughs> of that one. <laughs> okay, so having. Heard from Rana and Satch and everything, and what it's going to take, and Cynthia, Miss or Robin and Kirsten, masters of mental health. Uh, well, you know, um, people losing their jobs, people losing their business, and then poof, okay, you can come back, or you know, here you can start up again. How? Uh, that's going to be pretty tough.
5: Um truth be told i have no idea what to say to this right i'm watching people struggle uh, i the the whole piece about it's like this no it's not it's like this no it's not like for anyone involved in that um screws with people's heads like and and Like, really, I think being able to chat to others who are going through it is the way through it because Mm -hmm. I'm not in that world, right? I can talk about mental health, you know, and having a diagnosis and this and that and feeling suicidal and whatever it is, but I've got my job, so I don't get some of the nuances that are going with people in and out of employment. And I, I think... The piece for me is how do we engage people who are going through that together to be able to share their common experiences? And I think if we can share common experiences like that, then we have a shot at getting through it, like people being able to walk through it. But chatting with someone who doesn't get it, Mm -hmm. like who isn't having some of those experiences, like will provide some support, but... But I think it's how do how do we actually connect people who have common experiences through this? And so I'm always going to talk about peer support until the cows come home, right, that it's super important for people to be able to be validated and express how they feel with other people who get it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think we need to beef up the way we do mental health supports for people that that allow that kind of connection. Because watching, you know, some people I know go through it, and even talking to them, right? It's that piece about yeah, I I only I only understand so much. So I, I don't know what to say today. I'm a, I'm a little weird today. I just want to be clear about that What's happening in life. And my head's like, Whoa? um but, but we've got to do something because we're not supporting people enough. Um, weirdly enough, though, I do want to say Nova Scotia stats for last year, which surprised me a little. Um, lower suicide rate than like in a very long time. New Zealand, the same, lower suicide rate than they've ever had. And I actually would have thought maybe it was a little higher in places, but, um, but I still think, I, I still think we've got to stop doing the same old, same old mental health services because we do the same thing mm-hmm. and nothing's changing. So let's look at something different for a change. That's my piece.
0: Well, it's very good. Kirsten, Mm. always about the family too, right? And my goodness. Yeah, you know, a lot
3: of things are are going through my head that that came up that um, I'm actually really glad um, I've been part of this conversation. Um, Like uh, Sachet was saying, uh, a provincial uh, initiative to support and promote and encourage uh, Manitobans to, to reopen when the time is, safe and to get involved, um, my head goes to uh, not only those families and those individuals, uh, the isolation that has occurred over these last several months, pushing two years, um, and how that would play into the connection of people to one another again, not only to uh, promote businesses, well, like businesses doing well and and, and getting busy again, but uh, folks need to Connect again, and you know I think it was uh, oh I think it was yourself Tracy that talked about watching the hockey game where there's so many people in the stands and and it it kind of creeps me out a little bit like I have feelings that I have never had before and conversations about well how would you feel sitting in that arena so that's you know exactly so that's where the province and and a uh, initiative uh, to uh, help everyone start processing those thoughts and come to a conclusion where they're ready to step out, they're ready to support businesses, they're ready to, to connect and in turn um, nurture their well-being and, and move forward from where we've all been. Like, what What a simplistic and necessary idea? Yeah, that's all I'm going to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Linda, you're a business and life coach, and my goodness, boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> when, when businesses get fully back and stuff like that, it's it, it's going to be a different ball game, I
6: think, right? Yes, and I, I I love this conversation, and I especially appreciated when when you started, uh, Sachet. We've never met. I'm Linda. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> um, I you know you started talking uh, right away about the messaging to the public. And that it need people need to feel confident mm-hmm. to go back, and they need to feel safe. And you know, it's similar messages that everyone's been touching on today about that that need for people to feel connected, to feel safe, to feel confident. And I think Rana, you were um, uh, your points I, I appreciated about. Do we look to the government to give us those messages or is that um, is that foolish at this point to look to the government to give us a sense of confidence, safety and connection? Um, I don't I, I, I would I would follow your thoughts that that's probably not where we're going to get those messages. Um, so where do those messages come from? where are they, you know, and we, we said businesses, you know, the the business owners associations, um, tourism, Manitoba, I thought that was a a great spot. Where do we, and and, you know, Robin and and Kirsten, you know, the peer support, the emphasis on mental health and getting people feeling uh, going from that isolation to connection again. So You know what 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 came to mind was i would love to hear what other people thought if you were driving down the road pemina highway you're driving down the road and you're seeing a billboard right now what do we need to see like what does the public need to see and you know these things can happen quicker than you know there's already billboards out for the 215 uh children that were found the the bodies you know, there's an awareness campaign already that's been put out there that is, you know, uh, impacting the public and how they're, you know, how they're thinking about, how they're feeling about um, indigenous rights. These things can happen quickly. So I'd like to see billboards out that, that, that are promoting feeling safe, feeling like you can spend money again, feeling like you can connect again. Feeling like it's safe to leave your home, how do we how do we get those messages out? Whether it's you know a public campaign through the government or it's private through through social media, through our own channels. Um, anyway, I'd love to hear what what are some billboard ideas? What do we need to see promoted out there?
0: <laughs> uh, such.
6: <laughs> uh,
1: well, briefly, it, it's not going to be just one a uh, leader um, that, that, that's gonna come out with that. It's gonna be um, a concert of different leaders coming together and um, uh, you know, creating that sense of confidence. Um, and so in my mind, for sure, you've got the government that sets up incentivization programs, uh, like write-offs or other programs. Uh, you've got public health officials coming out and signaling green lights on a consistent and confident basis. Uh, And then you've got uh, small, medium and large uh, retail businesses and hospitality business and event businesses downloading current public health guidance uh, in terms of deployables, whether that's shielding, sanitization um, uh, systems, uh, whatever the newest protocol is on uh, tables, whether they're six feet apart or the back to normal or whatever all that is. And so you have a concert of those groups of people and organizations. <clears throat> Part of me, working together to create a fulsome sense of confidence and safety for the public. And that's when you're going to start having large movements. But that conversation needs to start somewhere. And and and, and that concentration needs to happen somewhere. And you know, leadership, whether it's at the provincial level or whatever needs to start listening about those kinds of things. And and to date, I haven't heard about that. So it's not just going to be a, a, a billboard uh, or a billboard, sorry, it's not going to be, um, it's not just going to be single guidance. It's not just going to be, you know, uh, East India Company putting up another acrylic shield or setting up table six weeks. It's going to be the concert of all of those things coming together and, and people working together uh, to make that happen.
0: Wow. That sounds like interesting. Yes, go ahead, Robin. Yeah.
5: Do, do we ever look back and see what happened in the last pandemic? As to, I know it's different because we have very different modes of like stuff happening now, like social media wasn't around in the 1920s, but have we actually looked at anything that they did then to promote awareness for people to go out and do stuff? Because we've had this before, right? Are we ever looking at it, or are we going? Oh, let's completely reinvent the wheel. Susie. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Yeah. No. I. Th- I think. I think a lot of people have looked at that,
7: and uh, from what I can tell, um, they 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 offered the same kind of advice. Like um, even Dr. Hinshaw, so from Alberta yesterday um, was quoted as saying. Um, this is not a short-term problem this is going to be a long-term problem spanish flu is a problem for 30 years right and so this is something that is going to be evolving and that we're going to have to learn to live with so that means perhaps i feel like my screen's really dark sorry everyone uh like wearing masks in public might still be a thing and for me it's going to be a thing of comfort i think for some people and um then we have to pivot Um, how we do work and how we live and even go to school. So I think ventilation systems will have to be looked at. Employers will have to pivot to a prevention method in terms of um, working on employee health and telling people to stay home when they're sick. There's going to have to be provincial programs and federal programs to support paid sick days. Like there's all kinds of changes that will need to come from this from a public health perspective, from a communications perspective on how we're going to live with with this disease now, basically, this malady. Um, and I think that, you know, just like the flu shot, we're going to have, you know, booster shots for COVID every year, they're going to change depending on what variant is, uh, is making headway. So I think that, you know, to, to go back to what Linda's saying, I feel confident in the sense that We have the knowledge of, and we have a vaccine, we have knowledge that we can work from from that. So now it's incumbent upon us and businesses and governments to find ways that people can still work, still go to school, still function with this disease um, 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 in our midst basically, because it's not going to go away. We are going to have to adapt.
0: And I see Cynthia commented that that's already started in the UK that uh, we're going to have to learn to live with COVID. And I kind of, I do believe you Susie. I think that's the role that's going to happen.
7: And I think, you know, public health also has a huge role to play in that. So just like we saw with, you know, TB outbreaks, are we going to have COVID clinics, you know, Mm -hmm. dedicated hospitals for COVID that don't affect the larger operations of a hospital where people can go to get dedicated care? Like, I think those are all really valid questions that governments and institutions are looking at and resources will have to be put towards that as well. So there's a lot of moving parts to all of these changes, but I think that, there are definitely steps in place and history, precedent has been set, you know, like Robin said, that there are ways that we can deal with this and still live our lives. Yeah. You know, and yeah. hand washing okay, hand washing's always good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why people <laughs> ever stop that. Yeah, I'll be yelling at people in bathrooms to wash their hands.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll just be carrying around your little hand sanitizer bottles for everybody.
7: Right, move far, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Get
0: my mask on. Satch, I'm gonna come back to you. Uh, you like you said you were you've been at this location downtown it's you know it's an institution there your mom she's so beautiful um, family and everything like that uh, would you ever consider moving from the downtown
1: oh god um, so uh, first of all I feel like I've been uh, rude uh, I just kind of popped on the call uh, hello to everyone um, so I,
0: I invited him. Person. Sorry. I... <laughs>
1: uh, Rana, how are you? Long time no talk. Uh, Kristen, it's good to see you again. Tracy, always a pleasure. Um, you know, I would, uh, downtown is home. Uh, Winnipeg is home. Um, Manitoba is home. We, we would never move. And, and, and even though it's going through a tough spot right now, um, you know, it, it, you don't give up on it, right? Um, this is a, a beautiful, beautiful part of our city with so many amazing things that happen here. There's gorgeous green spaces, walkways downtown that are largely unexplored, beautiful sculptures. Uh, you've got the convention center, the human rights mm-hmm. museum, the forks, the exchange district, waterfront, and there's no other part of the city that really has the pieces that that downtown, uh, that downtown does you know, walking around, uh, you know, I have been, it's true that you, know, you get sensational stories in the paper for sure uh, that will come out uh, and, you know, they may lead to an impression. The reality is I've been walking around downtown uh, for walks uh, on the daily for 30 years. I've never had an incident downtown um, that has left me, you know, feet, you know reeling with safety issues. Uh, that's not to say we can't always, you know, do things better, try better, um, go for better. Absolutely, I think that's always always the goal. And who we want to be, but it's a it's a wonderful and you know beautiful place. Right now, it needs some attention. Right now, mm-hmm. we need to be able to focus on uh, things to you know make it great again. It's not exactly where it, where it was. Uh, we can get there, uh, but you know we need to start conversations. We need to understand uh, what's happened here, uh, and we need to make legitimate um, choices that are going to lead to a better tomorrow. Uh, you know, that are real. Otherwise, all we're doing is we're saying ourselves up for difficulty. And I, you know, I I will point out one thing, and that is, again, as Winnipeggers or Manitobans, we're all aware of the pay, uh, you know, leaving downtown, um, you know, and there was an offer by the current administration, by the current provincial government to put $25 million uh, forward towards uh, any developer that would come forward. Well, you know, uh, the reality is um, that 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 building requires over $100 million worth of worth of rentals. No private developer is going to come forward and put uh, you know, that amount of money in because there's no revenue, there's no return. So what needs to happen is government needs to take a proactive effort uh, on its own. It's the largest employer It can conglomerate um, or amalgamate, sorry, uh, offices uh, from its different administrations and bring them downtown and bring those people here and lead to the vibrancy. Uh, it would be easy to convert a bay Uh, from a government standpoint into a very awesome uh, workspace downtown Um, and you know be phenomenal and would lead back to some revitalization that's much needed in downtown Uh, and that would be a real step forward uh from from my end thank you
0: oh and was so what is going to happen with city place do you know
1: uh well right now uh, as we've seen in other spots of downtown it really is a matter of bringing people uh, back in um, the conversion to office spaces uh, continues uh, and is still going on um, what's also important about city place is the true north center that's mm-hmm. uh, just to the east or sorry to the west of it as well that's that, that's going on and so uh, true north center continues uh, its expansion with um, the uh, Sutton Place there it is uh, the Sutton Place mm-hmm. tower that that's coming up uh, as well as a retail on the ground, that is a significant nice. uh, footprint for downtown Winnipeg and has really redefined what the heart of Winnipeg looks like. For decades, it's always been Portage and Main, and for some people, it will always stay Portage and Main. Uh, but now you're looking at Graham and Carlton, um, which is a huge place for a bus hub. Um, you've got a lot of retail on the ground there, uh, including, you know, food courts, um, beer halls, uh, uh, and, and public gathering spaces. So... Um, you know, you've got lots going on there right now, um, you know, definitely. Uh, and I'll agree with the comment that was made a little bit earlier. You know, if we're looking back to a return to normal in the next, you know, six and 12 months, uh, you know, it's not going to happen. I was on a, on a national conference call early in the pandemic, probably in April, May last year. And one of the comments I made at that, and I'm going to paraphrase, but uh, along the lines of, uh, mm-hmm. look, if everything that's, you know, being reported right now is going to play out. Uh, you're probably looking at a recovery uh, that's going to be, you know, three years away, four years away. And I recall there being snickers on that call. We weren't doing video calls that time. It was, it was just a, it was still a voice call. And I remember some snickers on that call. And then sure enough, you know, we had senior analysts from Air Canada come out six months ago, and they said they did not see a return to 2019 levels till fourth quarter, 2023, first quarter, 2024. And I believe that's going to be pushed back again. Um, you know, I think to uh, Kristen's point and, and one other commentator's point um, that you know there's going to be a certain segment of the population uh, that we've lost them we've lost them forever. Whether that number is a five percent or ten percent, uh, they're not leaving their home. They're going to develop a lifestyle around Amazon, um, you know, food delivery, and you know whatever whatever else they've created to make sure that they don't have to leave. You know, their fifteen hundred square feet or two thousand square feet. Um, uh, at, at home uh, there's going to be another segment of the population that, that's going to be jubilant uh, to to come out you know the concern is going to be everybody in the middle right um and and restoring their confidence and, and bringing those folks back
0: well oh, that's a long journey susie i was going to come to you now too with uh looking at and i guess our conversation now is like looking at post-pandemic as we were saying maybe by canada day you know we'll have be able to go to the hair salon and you know, and those are all just big wishes and dreams. And I was gonna say, Satch, your hair looks really good.
1: Caroline is phenomenal with. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna with, say with some clippers. <laughs> I'm very fortunate, uh, and, and there's not a lot up there to cut, Tracy. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> well, I was gonna say you look very well groomed. So I kinda kind of figured, Caroline. I figured Caroline was had something to yeah. do, but um, you know, again, and and I think. I mentioned it, and Kristen mentioned it, that it's not, again, like we're going to open our doors and all run out of the house, maskless and whatever, and everything's gone back to normal. Um, but there will be, I guess, some sort of normalcy. You know, I guess all through of this, social media has played a huge role for the naysayers, for the whatevers, the misinformation. How can we now use it to spread the word to educate that middle group, as Sachet mentioned, mentioned, that can waver on becoming hermits or becoming part, again, of society.
7: So I totally agree with Satya in that we are going to see those people who are jubilant I think there's going to be a huge kind of boom after uh, we're out of the thick of this kind of thing and we do reach that um, that level of um, vaccination that we need to to start to kind of embrace our previous lives before. Now, that being said, I do agree as well that there are people who are going to be afraid to re-enter um, society and just kind of what life was like before. And I think, you know, from a mental health perspective, um, we need to have messaging ready for that as well. And that that means for the workplace as well and mm-hmm. for, you know, out of the workplace. So I think that, you know. Um, Encouraging people to, again, meet people where they're at, right? So you might not be able to go to a party right away, but you might be able to go to a theater or to um, a library to meet somebody or, you know, kind of those smaller group settings. I do think that there's going to be some people, maybe even myself included, who will feel very overwhelmed by group settings such as sporting events and concerts. As much as I want to go back to them, the idea of it causes me anxiety. Um, But that being said, I think that there is going to be a slower draw for those people who are going to be coming out. And I think too that, you know, even though we've become used to having things delivered, and to not leaving our homes as well, I think that there's a part of that, um, of that segment that is not going to come necessarily back into, but may be drawn back into by those that they want to associate with on a larger scale outside. So I think that we need to be gentle with people who are not ready for that kind of contact and to use you know, that compassionate messaging to say, you know, if you're not feeling well, stay home. That's, I think, an overarching message we need to give regardless. But if you're ready to come out and you're feeling well, you know, here's what's happening, you know, in your community or in your workplace or those types of messaging. I think that, again, we're going to have to be very cautious about what kind of language we use. And when you talk about misinformation and things like that, you know, we live in an unprecedented time of so much information, right? And and the possibilities of where you can get your information are endless, right? So I also think that there's going to be a bigger push for responsibility on social media platforms, on online platforms. And that really is long overdue in terms of regulation or whatever that might look like in terms of um Uh, not giving a platform to disinformation and misinformation that needs to be addressed. That's a whole other conversation, but we definitely need to have that conversation in the future because we've seen what kind of damage it can do throughout this. Also going back to public health and those communication messages, I think it's really important that we do invest in public health communications as a way of battling misinformation and disinformation. So you've heard Dr. Joss Reimer and Dr. Jazz Atwal say, if you are vaccine hesitant or you have questions or you don't know what to to believe and what to think, call us at public health. That's what we're here for. We can answer those questions. And I think hearing from those healthcare professionals who are in the thick of this every single day, looking at the data, dealing with patients, I think that's a huge um, opportunity for people to break out of, that uh, cycle of fear and misinformation that they get online. Talk to a human being. Talk to somebody who can walk you through the questions that you might have and give you that clarity and that confidence that you that you need in our healthcare system and in the science behind what's going to give us back our lives.
0: Yes, most, and I love Dr. Joss. She's so she's, she's so great. So great. Yes, yeah. and and I
7: think it's true. Yeah.
0: yeah, they they both are really really great. And you know what? I know I I would not want to be a leader right now of any of any. <laughs> organization or whatever government right now because it's kind of a a no-win
7: situation. But I think it was really important that she said that and that she used that language to address those. And I think too that the people who are vaccine hesitant aren't necessarily the ones watching those press conferences either. So it's up to the friends and family members of those people who are hesitant to say, you know, Dr. Joss Reimer wants you to call her. She wants to hear from you. Her and her staff have, you know, the answers for your questions. And, you know, I I think we're seeing online even just, even family members are being, uh, I don't wanna say torn apart, but they're being uh, put in a state of anxiety and stress because one part of the family wants to get vaccinated and say the other one doesn't. So now will they be able to socialize? Are you gonna feel comfortable going to a house full of people who aren't vaccinated? All of those questions need to be answered. And I think that obviously people will have to make choices for themselves, but giving them the informed opportunity to speak to a healthcare professional With that background, who can help them and provide them the real answers that they seek is so important and will be moving forward. I have to drop off early, guys. i got to pick up a teenager from an exam.
0: Okay, yeah, school's almost uh, done. Yeah, well, we will talk about that next week. Yes. Bye, Susie. Bye. Bye. Save Manitoba restaurants. Order out tonight. (laughs) Nice seeing you. (laughs) Kirsten, oh, just after Susie's rant, how are things going with uh, your daughter's boyfriend? Oh, I
3: I know. I, I think I brought that up. Uh, well, I really <laughs> know I brought that up. But yeah, going back to where there's this divide between uh, families, and where uh, somebody wants to get vaccinated and somebody um, it does not, and yeah, so um, you know, the uh, my my daughter got double vaccinated, which is great. Um, I think I'm saying it, uh, I don't think they'll watch this so I can say it, but um, uh, the boyfriend doesn't know. And that was the easiest way for her to deal with it. Uh, Kind of a, what is it? uh, um, Don't ask, don't tell policy. But yeah, so, um, and uh, and believe it or not, um, she wasn't welcome to visit um, the family home because the parents felt that because she got her first vaccination um, which they did know about the first one, that she would be uh, giving off something um, that could get them all sick. Anyways, it doesn't even make sense to me, but there are those folks out there that uh, choose not to vaccinate and uh, have their reasons. Uh, I try so hard, Cynthia, to go to your words of not judging and, and, st- and staying in that place of that's their business, not mine. But um, still doesn't make sense to me. But uh, yeah. I'm just thrilled that I am just thrilled that um, my children, my immediate family, uh, is wise enough. And actually, we've all been double vaccinated now. So, uh, and a couple of weeks out. So okay, we're good.
0: yay! Uh, I have a question for everyone here. Uh, what happens if you ask someone, uh, did they get vaccinated? But then they don't answer the question. Are they against it? Is it bad to ask someone if they got the vaccine or second dose? Is it not a water cooler talk?
1: So (laughs) brief, maybe briefly, maybe not so briefly, uh, (laughs) I'm I'm part of the vaccine ambassadorship program uh, with the province. Um, So basically going out there and encouraging Manitobans to get the vaccine. I think like any issue out there, you just speak about it from a personal space. You can only talk about yourself, right? You're mm-hmm. not gonna tell people what to do. You can talk about your own experience. Um, you can talk about things that you've learned. Um, and that's what I do, um, as you see it right now. If somebody has a strong belief uh, in one thing or the other, uh, you're never gonna argue them out. of you, it. You never win an argument. All you can do is, again, talk about what your experience has been. Uh, you know, my first vaccine shot was um, in a pharmacy. Carolyn and, and I made a date out of it because that's what you do in 2021. Uh, you know, we went down. I think we were there for all of 15, 18 minutes. Uh, we got a shot, went out. I went for a five-kilometer run. I think I had a good time uh, <laughs> that day as well. Um, you know, had dinner, went to bed. Like it, And there was zero issues, zero issues. On my second um, shot was, you know, at the convention center. Um, you know, again, same thing. I was in and out in 15 minutes, uh, I believe, if at that. And zero, is- again, zero issues. And, you know, was, uh, was just fine. And everyone I talked to in my sphere um, that have had their double dose, uh, and I'm hearing it, I've seen it mm-hmm. on this call as well, you know, zero issues, right? What you're going to see or at, at the 30,000-foot level, I believe, as this progresses, is a bit of carrot and a stick. Um, you know, We've seen some carrots already, whether it's a lottery, um, you know, whether it's another incentive. We saw them down south. Here's a hundred bucks. Uh, here's a case of beer, I think, in some, in, in some state somewhere. I, I don't know. You know so you can I think the stick is going to come later. The, the stick is going to come in the form of these various V cards that are starting to be uh, coming out in various jurisdictions. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on those. Um, I think you have to be careful with, with how they roll out. There's some questions that need to be answered. But regardless, you know, those are going to lead to a situation where, you know, you may be able to do a thing with a V-card where somebody who doesn't have a V-card can't do that thing, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, there may also be insurance questions. Uh, if you're looking to travel, um, uh, you know, Blue Cross, you know, it, uh, insurance is not a right Uh, especially when it comes to extended insurance. So insurance may just come along and says, well, we're not going to insure you, Um, or um, the carrier may just simply say, we're not going to put you on because you may be a risk to others. You know, we don't know. So, I mean, you've got the carrot and the stick right now. Those are what's going to arguably play out over the next 12 and 36 months, I imagine, especially if we are living um, in a scenario where uh, COVID is a reality, as has been mentioned on this call already. Um, you know, for, for the next foreseeable future for five years, 10 years, longer. Um, and, and so, you know, we have to be careful of that. I, I think that also extends to our, uh, in a in a sideways way to our return to workplace. You know, I was having a, a very uh, motivated or a conversation with somebody about what a return to workplace uh, environment looks like. And certainly I think initially you might be having hybrid models, um, But I think there's there's two things that are going to be strongly in play uh, to return to work. Uh, The first thing is going to be, and I you know I call it the keener model. Um, You're always going to have that one or two people inside the office that want the promotion, want the contract, uh, want to be under the supervisor's uh, nose, whatever it is, Um, and they're going to be there. They're going to be there in person, and they're going to do whatever it takes to you know get get those things done, Um, you know whatever that is, and that's going to lead to you know again, this this uh, uh, this urgency for everyone to, to get going again. Uh, and I think that's gonna lead to more people in the office because that's where all of those things are maximized. That's A. B, what I am weary about and we haven't heard from is uh, the insurance companies who have been quiet for the last 16 months, 18 months, to my surprise, about people working from home the implications around working from home and hazards and tripping and regulations and standards and all of that are all out the window i mean that's why you have office spaces right because you know fire escapes are regulated because all of those things are in place safety protocols are in place this is why you have regulated spaces and keeping and at some point guidance is going to come down from the insurers and say, okay, if hybrid's a new thing right now, this is what you have to do, this is who's responsible, and this is the cost. And depending on where that comes in, whether it's the boss or the employer or the employee, it may be prohibitive. Um, and it's going to be a return back to normal as well. So all those variables have not yet been factored. Um, and again, it's early days as far as all of that is concerned. Um, but that's certainly going to have a play, uh, a role up. Play in the rollout as well moving forward.
0: Wow. So Cynthia, I was just getting back back to that question, and they also said another fear Mm -hmm. I've heard is I don't know what the long term effects of the vaccine are, and that's so why we're not getting it. So again, I mean, that whole kind of etiquette and question. Can I say, Cynthia, are you vaccinated? You know, and if you don't answer, what does that mean?
2: Well, I think if anything that we've learned over the last 18 months is that no answer is an answer. Yeah. So the reality is that there's very few questions that we don't normally ask, whether they're appropriate or inappropriate, is unique to the individual, right? And I think to the question, you simply have to accept whatever answer or no answer you get from the person, but based upon your interpretation, you do have a choice to make as to the level of engagement or involvement with that. Mm -hmm. Now, I would say in a workplace, in a office setting, what if that person is your boss? And that would make it really difficult, you know, which comes back to, well, what are the regulations gonna look like? How is this going to happen? You know, there's many businesses, certainly many international businesses Um, out of London and here where they are maintaining on an ongoing basis, a work from home model or a hybrid model as the new way to work. They haven't eliminated office space, but um, everybody tells me Canary Wharf in downtown London is really quiet these days. So, you know, I think there is a change to come um, but as I put in the chat, you know, this whole idea that I know before I left, I think the the group was called Workplace Manitoba. They deal with the safety standards mm-hmm. in, in the work set. and they had not yet published to the best of my knowledge, but they were working on um, ergonomic safety standards for office workers. I'm pretty sure most work from home scenarios do not meet those requirements. (laughs) And and that gets back to, well, who's insured? And, you know, how is that going to be covered? Because do you have enough chiropractors and and physiotherapists in Manitoba in order to be able to deal with all these people who have really bad setups? Or does all of a sudden now the cost to the employer become the idea of actually equipping people at home,
6: Mm -hmm. right?
2: Um, If the business didn't strategically plan for that, and I know because I had developed a plan 10 years ago, circa 2000, that talked about this model. And the idea was for twelve to 1500 Canadian dollars, you could equip somebody with the basic stuff that you need to do a work from home based upon, you know, digital technology. And that would include, you know, a proper chair and so forth. I think now we need to talk about adjustable desks. And then you got mm-hmm. a question, do they actually have the physical space in their living quarters to do it certainly i mean in most places in in london you're not going to have it they're small
0: mm-hmm.
2: they're they're very small so all of a sudden now you kind of have this challenge of well i want to work from home i feel safer working from home but how do you actually execute and do it and how do you do it in actually a safe way it's not that the work isn't safe it's that you're actually not damaging your body by doing it and i think these are the challenges that kind of come in but you know, to the point of acceptance, it's like, sure, you want to do that. But have you thought about all the other questions that come with it? So you can't, you know, you cannot change somebody. Okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I have said that numerous times. And at the end of the day, um, you have to accept whatever their answer is, wherever they're at. But you don't have to necessarily accept that within your life. And then you have to think about the broader questions of what does that really mean? In terms of how do we move forward and we're doing the work and where you do the work and how you do the work is not just something you fall into or you react to as we had to uh, for many organizations with um, you know COVID it is something you have to plan for and I think that that concept from my global travels what I've seen is this idea of actually having kind of work from home. Think of it, you know, the saint Patel work center. And this would be a place that is closer to home, that meets all the guidelines and has proper workspaces where you kind of pop in, you do your work, and then then you can go home. And maybe you'll do something occasionally at home, but you actually have a workplace. Winnipeg's not a big city. I don't know that it makes a ton of sense to, conceptually-wise, but when you get into cities like London, New York, Los Angeles, that starts to make a ton of sense where you don't have people coming back and uh, meeting in a common, you know, large office space scenario. So um, those are just some of the tips of the iceberg challenges that we have in front of us. But remember, you can't change anyone else and you get to make a decision on how you
0: react to that. Yes, well, and actually, Cynthia, we do have some workplace spaces like that, that have, but I don't know how they've been managing through all of this right because I don't think our psyche is into that yet but I think moving forward it definitely will but um you know what I want to thank Satch for for joining and it was my bad too I didn't like it's this crazy when you do this kind of format everybody's there so it's like we're kind of in this big crowd and uh you know can't wait to come and sit in your restaurant and spend time um In the meantime,
1: do some takeout. Yes, Uh, yes. It it would be great. But but before I sign off, uh, I I really do just want to comment uh, about what we had happen last week in in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure all communities, Mm -hmm. um, all faiths uh, really stand in solidarity with the AFSAL family. Um, It's absolutely tragic uh, what's happened out there. Um, I actually spoke to Rana um, last night. Uh, and we were talking briefly about this. And for those of you that follow me, uh, you know that I'm active on social media. Um, i probably put up, you know, once or twice a day. Um, I haven't put up anything in two weeks. You're just stunned into silence. Uh, You know, with with what's going on out there, it's so tragic. And I've heard that there's been lots of calls for leaderships and politicians to do X, Y, or Z. And I agree, they should do those, whether they're summits or whatnot. But beyond that, but beyond that, there's something that needs to happen here at a systemic level, at our education level. When you're in a country like Canada, where you've got tons of different kinds of people coming in from tons of different places um, over long periods of time, decades, um, it makes sense that there be a cultural component in our classrooms that talks about, um, you know, because we haven't had that. We've never had that. We don't have that. And what happens is in a vacuum like that, you know, where do people get their information these days? From the Simpsons or other sources. And that's what informs them and leads to God knows what's um, in their heads. And so while summits are a good idea and that's fine, and informing senior leadership is important, I think it starts with our kids. Mm -hmm. and systemically going all the way back having a cultural component uh, in our classrooms in our communities and going right from the bottom all the way up Uh, and so that there is that compassion that understanding that uh, brotherhood that sisterhood amongst people you know that Canadians are generally 99.9 percent of the time known for Um, again my thoughts and prayers for the Afsal family as, as a parent. I cannot imagine um, what they've been through. Um, and I'm so uh, happy to see communities from uh, across states um, come together uh, over the last week. Thank you again, everybody.
0: No, and, and such. though, too, um, what were, how did your family react? Your mom, your kids?
1: shocked 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 could it could have been it could have been any one of us Mm -hmm. right uh but beyond that but beyond that it could have been but one of us why at all Mm
5: -hmm.
1: why at all there's absolutely no need for that level of horrific violence and although mr veltman has yet to put a formal motive forward, at least as of last night, uh, as, as, I, as I read, um, wh- what, what, I mean, what in the world would make this right? And, you know, uh, maybe from a purely analytical standpoint, what series of decisions in your head or events in your life lead to this at such a young age of 20? Um, that would lead you to that, I mean, these are these are the questions. And, and that's why, again, I would just go back to let's let's look at what our system of acclimatization, mm-hmm. if there is one at all, or culturalization, if there is one at all, uh, is, whether it's here in Manitoba or in Ontario or across the country, or if there's a standardization, you know, we, we keep saying, you know, ignorance is no excuse. Sure. Where does one go to get educated? It is certainly our responsibility, absolutely. But where is the state in all this? And mm-hmm. the, the state has a role, and that role is is education. It's beyond two plus two. Mm-hmm. The socialization, the culturalization, you know, of our of our folks can start at an administrative level. There's not a problem there. I, at least I don't see one. And you know, we should be open, open to that, uh, open to that discussion. And you know, again, just beyond summits, beyond Rallies um, a long-lasting, decades kind of process to make sure that this never happens again.
3: Yes. Hey, I just wanted to jump in there, and yeah. I don't know if there's any type of protocol or, or 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 policy set up in Ontario at all, but I just my head goes to um, uh, the Children's Advocate Office in Manitoba when there's a suicide or a death of a child in care, there is a a huge inquiry that happens into all the events of that child's life dating back to day one. Um, There's a a report on the story of Matthew that was released, I think, uh, a year and a half ago from the Children's Advocate Office of a a 14-year-old who took his life That report goes back to what happened in that child's life on day one uh, regarding environment, services, lack of services, uh, education, healthcare, everything. Wouldn't it be so um, beneficial for this 20-year-old, for some organization to take a look at this 20-year-old and do an in-depth analysis uh, of from day one, what on earth drives I think a 20-year-old's a child, in my opinion. But uh, what on earth happens to one individual on our planet that takes them at 20 years old to a place where they do an action like this? And um, what a necessary, what in my head goes to, what a necessary and valuable information uh, a report like that into this incident regarding that individual could have on how we move forward in 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 life, in education, and in everything regarding young people in Canada. Um, And I'm sure it will never happen, but anyways, I just, I'm speaking my thoughts, but that's where my head goes to, for better understanding, for prevention, for prevention on the Mm. ground level, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, all of it.
0: Oh, yes. Rana? Yeah, no. Um,
4: You know what? Um, So I, I guess... You know, and I'm gonna to try to be as you know, just kind of watch my. This is the thing. Every time it's a white guy who takes a gun and starts shooting at people, we all want to talk about, oh, poor baby, what happened to his life? What would happen to him? You know, like nobody. Like there's 300 white supremacy groups in this country roaming around. That's the problem. That's the issue. Those are the issues. Nobody gives a shit, to be honest with you, if that guy was shot in the face at five years old, because normal people, we all have struggles. How many indigenous people do you think are walking around railing people with their with their vehicles who have gone through the most trauma in this world? That is not, that, that's, that's a, you know, someday in life type of scenario, uh, a week after the fact, the demand should be shut down every white supremacy group and call this what this is. That's what has to happen. Nobody, like, why would we be wasting time, money, effort on every guy who goes up? Then we have. what about the, the Quebec mosque shooting, which wasn't even called terrorism? I mean, there's more realities. There's, a, there's other things that have to happen. And I agree with Sash to some extent as well. But I mean, I'm sorry, but like. You know what I mean? Uh, Two days ago, uh, a young Muslim woman got her hijab ripped off in Ontario. This is happening every day just because they hit the news for this family doesn't mean these things haven't been happening. And I think I actually brought this up in the Hugh crew a month ago where there was like this culture in Alberta uh, of Muslim women having their hijabs ripped off and being beat up and being attacked at the parks and blah, blah, blah. I believe I spoke about it here. But there's media issues. There's issues in the movies. Uh, where every time there is a event about to happen, they start to do our calls to prayers, and then all the guns start going off. Like there's a whole host of things that have to happen. Yes, it's education, um, but I, I, truthfully, and I apologize, but the minute we start talking about a 20 year old boohoo to him, nobody cares. Sorry. I was not doing any but boohooing. No, just
6: to be clear, no, no.
3: boohooing coming from no, here. No no, 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 no. What
4: I'm
3: saying is
4: the normal, the everyday response every time it's a white guy is oh well he must have had something happen yeah he probably is a part of a white supremacy group so let's focus on that that's the issue there are 300 white supremacy groups in this country let's demand that they're dealt with talked about brought to light i don't know something because that probably will help with Satch's idea about education because you want to have this false education roaming around through those things um you know but but there are the, the, this is coming from somewhere they, these guys didn't just happen to appear and you know so for for me and i know uh, speaking to a lot of people who are as enraged as i am um but also intelligent and know the laws and know you know the 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 mechanisms within which we are working in um, I think that there are, there are really big demands that have to happen right now. And this is a very simple one. It's a very simple one. There are 300 white supremacy groups in this country. Call them what they are. Call them terrorist groups. Shut them down. Watch their monies. Watch where they're being funded from. Follow the tracks. Get to the root cause of that issue, parallel to that, yes we're doing the educational we're doing the cultural appropriate, culturally appropriate all that stuff um and then sometime after that after this guy's probably you know i don't know whatever happens to him give the shit but um you know at some point then he'd be a person to study but if we're going to study him let's go back and study the guys who's who shot up the quebec mosque let's go back and study like there's a whole host of things that okay. would happen prior
0: Totally agree Okay. But we'll agree.
4: That's my yeah. that's my demand and I think yeah. that there's a lot of people saying the exact same thing I'm saying. <laughs> let's, okay. let's 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 call out, you know, um let's call out these groups and call them terrorist groups because that cuts that's off it. their funding. That cuts off their educational the ways that they can, you know, that means if they're going online spreading hate, they're being watched. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like there's a whole mm-hmm. host of things that happen uh, around there. So I think Satch had something to add to that. Sorry about that, but I have to be like, no, I know no. a lot of people saying exactly what I'm saying, so no, I no. have the platform, so I'm going to say it.
0: Yes, yes, you, and you do, and you do. I agree with all three of you, maybe not quite as radical as Rana, but I do agree that they need to be called out. I truly believe education is the route to where we need to go, but I do understand, Kirsten and I do agree that there has to be case studies to be proactive and either, you know, We can learn. Well, we will learn from it, and hopefully, we will not have horrendous acts like this again. So, anyways, Sach, I'll give you the last word. Or,
1: well, again, just you know, we 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 talked about so many. I know uh, topics. uh, It would be very hard to sum all that up. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'll leave it with this. You know, despite the last sixteen months, despite all the challenges that we are acutely and have chronically been going through the one thing that uh, I think has been universal and that I have seen uh, across the board is our ability to come together, um, Mm -hmm. to support each other, to love each other, to discuss when it's important. And that is, I really wanna say a Canadian thing. Um, It's been amazing. Has it been tough? Yes. Is it gonna continue to be tough? 100%. Uh, but I've seen us come together. And I think that's been a good thing. And we've seen leadership um, come up at the local levels um, and the provincial and federal levels to really support those things that are very, very important. And so in the midst of when it's really dark, when it's really tough, um, you know, don't despair because there will be something, there will be someone, um, there will be a plan that that does come out and you see it. You know, we saw it with the vaccine come out when our scientists around the world uh, came out and uh, produced a vaccine and just again, as early as December, you know, we did not have that, um, did not have that option going in uh, into that month. Um, and the discussions that have recently been raised around decades of abuse Around residential schools that we saw in Canada,
8: mm-hmm.
1: um, discussions that have now finally come to the forefront harder than ever uh, around community involvement and where we're all, where we are all together. These are all positive. These are all positive things from very dark places. Uh, and my hope is that um, you know we'll continue to have enlightenment uh, across the board. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Satch. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you, Rana. Okay. And, you know, it's been a wonderful conversation. We've tackled a lot of things. So enjoy your day. It's sunshine. It's warm. It's beautiful. And uh, we'll see you all next week. All right. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, you. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
8: For listening, this has been a production of I Like podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Ann Iveson. An aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.
0: Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.